But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. Welcome back to Value Ed's Value. My name is Kyle Krieger. Thanks for joining us on this episode. This is just a part two of a conversation we had last week that we didn't think was going to be a podcast, but it just turned into it. Um, just a few more of our thoughts on kind of the situation that we're seeing in our country um, and really asking ourselves the question is, why don't people want to have tough conversations? And that's really where we're going um, with this podcast. We'll be really covering that over the next couple of weeks. Um, continuing to ask the question, why don't people want to, why don't people want to have the tough conversations? So thanks for checking out this episode of Value Ed's Value. Um, and we hope you enjoy it. You know what I mean? So there's, there's so much that, that he could have come out and, and, and turned into, but again, when, when somebody, I, I tell people, I want to give you what you don't expect. Because you're going to expect me to act and respond a certain way. And, and I don't want to meet that. When you're dealing with foolish people. Because foolish people only bring up foolishness because they want you to become foolish with them. They want you to prove their belief. Mm -hmm. so and I want to disprove it. Yeah, so if they, if they believe that they can get you to act a certain way and then they can confirm what they already believe, then it becomes this like, oh, yep, I knew it. I'm I not going to give you that pleasure. Yeah, I mean... And, I am not. <laughs> you know, and it's even me just... I have this daydream that when I go to Cumberland tomorrow, someone's going to want to talk... Someone randomly is going to want to talk about critical race theory. Hey, bub. Yeah. Oh, she's coming down to change the laundry. Um, someone's going to want to talk about it. And I'm going to actually have the chance to explain to them in a calm manner what it actually is. Because I think a lot of people in that area don't know. I think a lot of people, when talking about that topic, just say, oh, it, it, it's indoctrinating our students. But they wouldn't be able to go any farther beyond that. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. that's the part. Well, what is it indoctrinating? And but again, it goes back to my question that I asked when we did that, and I know we, we this is not what we're supposed to be talking about, but it, it goes back to my statement is what are we afraid of with telling the whole story? Because if I want to make a decision, I want to make a decision based on all of the information. You know, growing up, I, I share my, my, my experience with Nevaeh is that 
I, I introduced her to everything I could possibly can. You want to go to dance? Let's go to dance. You want to do soccer? Let's go do soccer. You want to do volleyball? No, I don't want to do volleyball. I want to do theater. You want to do theater? You, I want to do band. Go do band. You want to do choir? Go do choir. Everything she wanted to pursue, I, I supported her. I exposed her to so much. And then I said, okay, now make the decisions. The decisions are yours now. You know what's out there that you like, what you don't like. She's like, well, I like soccer, but I like theater more than I like soccer. Okay, so let's take soccer off. So now you got band and theater. Oh, I love band, but I like theater going doing stuff with theater more than I like doing the band. And I can't do theater and band at the same time. Okay, so which one are you gonna take off? I'm gonna take off band, I'm gonna just do theater. And that became an informed decision. You know what I mean? It wasn't a decision based off of just one experience with one thing that only thing that's gonna get you, you know, it's like, no, here's a bunch of different things. And from that, glean what's best for you. Because I'm almost 100% sure that if we taught the truth, the race issue in America would actually begin to disappear more than it's, it's, it does, it's doing now. Because more people will call it out for what it is. And it's like you said earlier, people think, Oh, slavery wasn't that bad. Oh, and slavery has been gone. Slavery hasn't existed for a hundred. It hasn't existed in over four hundred years. So look at also people saying, "Well, look at um, look at the Civil Rights Act and the the Voting Rights Act, all those things." That's the proof that it doesn't exist. Well, I'm and and then you but you could have the conversation with somebody about how the fact critical race theory started as a question of why haven't things changed? We've passed these bills. We've passed this legislation. Why hasn't things, why haven't things changed? And I don't think anyone, but it's so easy for people to on one side, go all the way to the nuclear option. You can't bring up or ask somebody a question about what they've said or what they've done because you're instantly going to be labeled as racist. That's a fear mm -hmm. that people have. They don't want to be labeled as racist. And it makes it difficult to have a conversation about race because people assume that if you admit that racism exists, that makes you racist. Or if you admit that these particular things are happening that that you're somehow the problem. And yeah, sure, I can trace my lineage back and I could find out whether or not at some point someone in my tree was a slaveholder. Mm -hmm. I could do that if I wanted to. I don't think that's the most productive use of my time because I think I could learn more about what's going on now because that's something I can actually change. Like I can sit here and say like, yeah, I think that there are still discrepancies. I think there are still discrimination. I think there are still things that are dictated by race. And I can also admit, historically speaking, that white people in the 1600s, when they brought slaves over and kept a group of people as slaves for hundreds of years, were the ones that created our racist system. Well, in their eyes, they were just creating a system to fit 
their ideals. Not realizing that their ideas were founded in racism. It was power for them. It became racist once freedom happened. Because now once we've been emancipated, once emancipation has taken place, now the subjugation takes place, now it becomes racism. Before it was just a system. You know, I can't say George Washington was the racist. I can't say that because George Washington was just George Washington at that time. He wasn't looked at as a racist during that time. Black people didn't even see him as a racist because that they didn't know any other system. You know what I'm saying? I, I was watching a documentary on his cook, George Washington's cook, that he his cook was a black guy, that he took all over the world. He took him to France to learn how to cook French cuisine because he was very, very... Uh, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson or the two, they were like two original foodies. And so as their, um, um, you know, their, their, their stories of their people are coming out now. And so when, um, what am I saying? Um, God. George Washington's cut. George Washington, even though now looking back at what he did, now that emancipation has happened and Civil Rights Act has happened and all these movements have taken place, we can look back and say, man, that dude had to be racist. But he really wasn't. Was he a slave owner? Yes. Racism did not come until it got to the point to where I want to hold you back just because of your color. I want to keep you in a certain place just because of your color. You're different than me because of your color. It reminds me of what you've always said, like, and I don't remember the context you usually say it in, but it's, it's all that point in life. And this is what we want to teach our kids. If you knew better, you do better. Mm -hmm. So when you know better, it's your responsibility to do better. Like, like I said, one of, one of the biggest regrets I have, especially, um, I mean, I know there is some racist tendencies where I grew up, but in the time period I grew up in, the homophobic slurs were the thing. People were saying them around me all the time. At that point, I didn't really know any gay people I knew that there were probably gay people around me and even in my small high school but I had never really known one so when you say those words that are insensitive you don't at that point I don't know any better is it still wrong that I did that 100% am I still regretful that I was in that position and I did that yes 100% Am I regretful with how many people I let in my life say the N-word without correcting them? Yes. But now that I know better and I understand, you know, what those words do, then I have a responsibility to do better. So if I hear someone use a homophobic slur now and I don't see anything, 
or I don't say anything, that is a real problem. That's a bigger problem than me not saying anything before when I didn't know better. Because I do know better. And that's where we are at. Like we know that systemically we have problems. And this is a part I don't understand is when we say there is systemic racism, it's actually talking about systems. It isn't necessarily talking about people, but it always becomes about, oh, everyone in this country is racist. No, the systems that are built are racist. Because they were based on an ideal of separatism. It was based on an ideal of I'm better. Yeah. You know, and the thing that strikes me too about it, and we're, you know, so far off is that, you know, even what you said that shifted my mind over the last couple of months is how can you call a group of people lazy? Because after slavery, you, you know, after slavery ended, there were a lot of laws put in place that allowed white people to bring black people back into what wasn't called slavery, but that's indentured servitude, um, um, sharecropping, whatever you wanted to call it. All of a sudden, after those people had worked fields for hundreds of years, you know, 15, 16, 17 hours a day, they've, they'd done all the work to make these farms and plantations go to build wealth in our country, how those people all of the sudden were lazy and nefarious, mm-hmm. how, how that paradigm shifted based on what people wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that really strike me as difficult to understand as I look back because I have met, you know, even, even with, you know, trying to get an understanding of the Hispanic culture as well. Like I've never met a black person or a Hispanic person that wasn't super hardworking, that didn't care about their kids, that didn't want what was best for their kids. So for me, all of those stereotypes I had heard before I moved to Houston were dispelled by my experience. Hmm. I, I know and have met and have seen way more white folks that are, let's just be frank, lazy pieces of shit than I do people of color. And, and that's the hard thing for me is, especially where I live now, is not very many people around me, I think, have had that experience. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't even need that experience because you can go back to look at the very reason that you enslaved Black people to begin with. What you went to Africa and saw. What you saw when you got there, what you saw with the people, you didn't see a lazy, trifling, not wanting to work person. You saw a, 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 a king, a queen, a prince, a kingdom. You saw people who understood, had a knowledge of so much. There is absolutely nothing about the African-American experience, that the African experience that says lazy until it becomes American. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing is people are so surprised as to why 
so much of especially the NFL and the NBA is filled with black people. But think about the lineage of the people that they brought over. They brought the biggest, the the strongest, the fittest, the healthiest. And those were the people that continued to increase that population when they were here. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and you can look at different parts of the world. You know, there are parts of the world where the two of us at, you know, five foot six, five foot seven, five foot eight, we would be above average in height. Mm-hmm. There are parts of the world where we would be well below average in height. And it, it's just that those different parts of the world make us different. But coming back to kind of where you started on this was just humanizing people. Like people are almost entirely the same. We are not that developed that we really don't want more. There's not a more sophisticated human being. Despite what superhero shows and all these different things say, there is not a more sophisticated human being. I don't believe that the human species have evolved to where there's a new breed of superhuman that is able to do things that the majority of people are not. I think genetics tells what we can and cannot do. Yeah. Some are more gifted. I can't be mad because... Michael Phelps can run. I mean, he can swim faster than me. You know, he's genetically he's crazy. Made. He's crazy jointed. Like his joints and his body moves differently than most. And his people. legs are about this. His legs are probably the same height as mine, but his torso is twice as my, twice mine. You know what I mean? So yeah. you think about there are certain things that makes it genetically more, you know, determined, you know, predetermined that this is something that you could be good at. Um, But at the end of the day, if I wanted to work real hard, it doesn't mean that I could not, if I put in the work and I dedicated myself and say that I could not within my own right, crush goals and and become a great swimmer. Yeah, you might not be an Olympic, you might not be an Olympic level swimmer. But I will be as I, I could I could go in and, and, and probably swim circles around certain groups that yeah. I would be able to excel at or be able to do certain things with my giftedness in swimming that the average person wouldn't be able to do. And that comes from hard work. But when you're trying to train a swimmer and you know someone's predisposed to swimming and you say, okay, I know you're predisposed to swimming, but go try to find a swimming pool that you can swim in. Oh yeah, you have all the genetic makeup, but go try to find a pool that 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 that, that doesn't say white only, or do, go find a place that you can work out in that has the materials that you need in order to for you to be the best version of yourself, because everything else is labeled not for you. So, again, you talk about the system. The system was created by people, and the people that created the system had an ideal of separatism. And we can't escape that. And in order for people to understand it, you've got to really 
dig deep into what was taking place, what transpired. You know, and the, one of the big stories that I always hear were, were even Africans owned slaves. Facts. So did Muslim. You can go back to the Bible. The Bible talks about slaves. Conquering, you know, it tells conquering you, tribes and conquering tribes and, and absor absorbing exactly, exactly, slaughtering off all the men, keeping all the women and children. Like we know that this has taken place for, for thousands of years. existence of humans, right? Yeah. But when your entire system is put in place, that once you conquer a place, you're gonna subjugate that a, a group within there. To be the, then, then you've gotten yourself a system that's built on racist ideals, and that separatism is what hurts us so much. Yeah. Did we have a different topic we were going to talk about on the podcast today, or did we just? We hadn't even talked about it. We were supposed to work on the um, on the on the PD. Yeah, man. I don't know, but it, that just felt like a very natural conversation and and that's just it's the, it, you know what no we got we got to plug it it's because of these the we connect cards yeah this this these cards open up conversation. a conversation that we were not intended to have but we had and it was rich all because of one card yeah and and the one thing i want to add to this conversation that we've talked about that is I mean, I think it is a central in our teaching philosophies is that every person, I, I believe that every person on the planet has a gift and a talent that they could share with the world that would make the world a better place. I believe that every child has the ability to make a difference and to live a fulfilled life. But on one hand, we, our, our school system is not built to help kids explore that and to find that. And our society only values a few certain things to where kids think that's the only way that they can be successful. So if you're not Michael Phelps, LeBron James, Simone Biles, if you're not Elon Musk or Branson or you know these people who do these incredible things, Bless you. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Bless you again. Um, that that you don't have things to give. And when you know, when we wall people off and and put people in these categories, it makes them feel like they can't ever rise above whatever that particular title is. And I think that's troubling. You know, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, there has to be greater avenues for different things to take place within our society um, for us to. Uh -oh. uh, first to be, is it pretty loud? No, you're good. Okay. Um, that we, you know, that, that we can really start looking at people for who they are and accepting the individuality of each person and the uniqueness that each person brings to the table. That is where it has to get to. Um, but it seems like anybody who talks that way, they're accused of being communist. Um, they're so, socialist. Socialist, right. They're, they're accused of so much, but it's like, man, come on. I'm a humanist. 
How about that? I believe that we should bring humanity back to the forefront of our decision-making in everything. We need to make education a, a, a right. Um, we have to reevaluate our core values as a society. And we have to teach truth. We have to teach truth. If we teach truth, I'm 100% confident. I teach these kids every day. If we teach these this generation that we have, you know, these kids that are in our K-12 schools right now, if we teach them the truth, it's not gonna create some big race war. These kids know that they, they, they see the color, but they also see the commonality. You know what I'm saying? They see the camaraderie because you know, you go to some schools, you know, I, I was joking, say our campus is like a melting pot because it's like, well, not really a melting pot. It's, it's majority black and Hispanic, but it's kind of 48, 48 with sprinkles of everything else around it. Yeah. And so that group, it's hard pressed to say, oh, they don't like, you know, I remember we were accusing one a little white kid we had that oh he don't like black people but come to find out that kid was adopted and lived in a black family so it wasn't that this kid didn't like black people we just didn't like you and you thought that you could use race to say that he's not liking you because of this no this kid grows up with it he, he grows up he's grown up his whole life that's all he's known to be family so it's like we have to get back to that point of uh, of, of just seeing people for who they are, humanizing them, and and living, letting everybody live their best life. Mm. I love that. I think that's a good spot to end. But before we do that, I do want to, as we're working on the book, humanizing is a word. I want to humanizing. Again, y'all, thanks for checking out Value. It's Value. We really appreciate it. Please feel free to subscribe and share this podcast. Subscribe on Instagram at Value Adds Value. Subscribe on YouTube at Value Adds Value. Facebook Value Adds Value. Just let us know what we can do to support you and work with you as this year um, gets closer. It's the end of July. So we really hope um, that that your summer is going well. And hopefully we can continue to support you and help you as this year starts so we can make it the best year ever. So. Thanks for checking out this episode of Value is Value. We'll be back with you next week.